Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Good evening. Welcome everyone to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week again by Kieran Collins and Rory Walsh. Lads, how are things? Good, Mark. Yourself? Very good, man. Yeah, great. Yeah, all good. Got a repeat of last year's uh, All-Ireland Final, but I suppose we have to review the All-Ireland semi-finals. See how the games are won. Uh, yeah, so it'll be Limerick versus Galway, Kilkenny versus Clare to review. And also, if we have time, we'll look at the senior Camogie All-Ireland quarterfinals and also maybe a little bit of reaction from Rory on the semi-final draw, uh, which took place last weekend. I suppose, first, guys, let's look at the chronological order. I suppose Saturday evening, uh, we had Limerick versus Galway. Uh, I mean, last week, we'd kind of uh, dubbed this as being quite a tight Titanic struggle, and it certainly proved that for 25, 30 minutes, but... I suppose, Kieran, that third quarter adjustment from Limerick, very pivotal, and the result was never in doubt in the second half. I suppose your thoughts? Yeah, I suppose how the game started is what we expected. Um, Galway to come out with, with a bit of fight, and uh, I think they were the team in control up to that 25th minute. Really impressive part, you know, a lot of their play. I think players who had been struggling for form all year or, or part of the year, like Concanon being one of them who you know, who really um, was all over the field and, you know, got three points early on. And, you know, when you see Connor Cooney zipping around and, and getting scores easily, you're like, fuck, this is going to be a long day. But, you know, they were impressive. And they were, I suppose it's, they have been in parts this year, but they haven't done it for full 70 minutes. I think you look back to the Leinster final that, you know, the second half, they were what, eight points down. That second half, you know, where they came back at Kilkenny and, and turned it around to go two up. I think it was similar to that. They were, you know, they look really impressive. But then, twenty-five minutes gone. Um, I think after the goal chance, you know, which um, my Casey cleared. I don't know, did he know much about it? But um, geez, if that went in, you know, it's a nine-point game, and you know, it's it's a different game then. Uh, that goal gone in, but I think that was the changing point. <clears throat> I think um, Connor Whelan probably came a little deeper than he had been, and uh, I'm not sure if that was the, the changing of the game, but. Um, Limerick just seemed to take over. I think, uh, you know, that the last, you know, I suppose 10 minutes they, uh, you know, outscored Galway by a, a couple of points and they went to go in one down. And I think that second half, then, geez, like there was, um, you know, we, we, we know Limerick is a, a third, you know, qu- third quarter team and they historically have done well in the third quarter, come out, you know, in the second half and and uh, made the changes to what well, Canuck sees fit and, and go at it. But, you know, I think I was. You know, I suppose the first 10 minutes wasn't much in it, but after that, I think Limerick just started pulling away. Uh, I don't think it was a case that Limerick were just that good. Galway couldn't hold them. I think it was a case that, to me, it looked like Galway threw in the towel. Um, I think once, once Limerick went, you know, four, five points down, that was it. I didn't see any fight from Galway there. Um, they were a shell of the team that had come out and started the game. You know, and I suppose really, you know, without being harsh on them, like it's, it's probably what we know of Galway in the past as well, where they can be hot and cold. And I think I think they have been that way this year. And I think for Sheffield, when they're looking back, it hasn't been a good year. It probably hasn't been a, a few good years. Like they've kind of won four in a row Leinster titles. Um, you know, and it's it what is more than likely every year is nearly a two-horse race. And I think for me, I think Galway have gone backwards this year. Um, you know, they have unbelievable hurlers maybe they'll need a little bit like similar to Cork maybe they need to drop a few hurlers and, and bring in a few workers there's probably a few passengers in the team and I think Nyland I've said it a few times this year like I think he's been carried for freeze alone you know he's not doing enough work for me in, in open play and I think the problems all over but look at I suppose uh, Constrate and Limerick I think they were I won't say they were back to what the the best we've seen but like I think really I don't Galway didn't give him much of a fight but I suppose, look, it's good to see Keenan back in the field. Um, I think he was a little bit sloppy in the first half, especially, but, um, you know, he gives you that vision, like the, the ball he gave for for, Reed for the for the second goal. Um, you know, not many guys can pull off them types of passes, but um, I think that game will, will, get, will stand to him and, you know, that will do him the world of good going into the final. And uh, I think, you know, it likes to grow at Hegarty, hit a little bit of form as well. So, um Probably a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde performance in Galway, but I suppose from Limerick point of view, delighted to get over him and, you know, nine-point win and into the final. I don't think they'll, you know, they'll definitely won't think that they're 
world beaters again after you know that performance but um you know nonetheless it's a a good result and i think comparing the two teams i don't think that Galway game took much out of the limer team compared to what kenny would have gone under you know t- to get through claire so hopefully you know injury free and and uh you know and i suppose a two-week turnaround is a quick turnaround towards the final yeah indeed karen rory will get you in there i suppose your reaction uh to that nine point win from limerick yeah i know kieran is right in saying it wasn't limerick at their very very best what we've seen it was their best this year by, by a long shot in the second half they were just uh, i think we've used the word before composure about limerick everything they did was composed and thought through and uh, uh Galway, in a way it's about tactically played into their hands by by bringing them back because no, there's no better team I think in the history of the game that are able to play the ball out as Limerick can find the loose up the field and then give a quality delivery into them uh, and by reducing a player in the forward you're just giving them that opportunity to that every single time to get possession but um, it was funny like it reminded me actually a bit more of the Mayo doubling game from the week before in the football where Mayo came out and with total to Dublin and um, goal chance a bit like all it is and and suddenly it was a high flag and a bit of a collapse completely once they four points. Uh, it was a win along those lines, so it knows it a uh, Ireland kind of thing, but they, they were like their, their next door neighbours, Mayo and NFL Park. And uh, it seems that the, the most disappointing thing about it was like the, it definitely looked like that their efforts completely the way in terms of their desire to get the ball and their fight like just dissipated in the second half. Yeah, I'd like. Uh, certainly, uh, Rory, because um, where my seats were, we were just about two seats back from the Galway bench, and uh, I thought just the opening period, the open exchanges really did kind of exude the energy that the Galway team on the pitch and off the pitch were doing, but for me, Henry Shefflin, particularly uh, when the adjustments were required, just felt he was so involved in the game that the key decisions, the key adjustments, he just wasn't reading it, I mean... From a selector perspective, not one selector really went to him at any given point in that first half, particularly in the early in the second half. So I think from that perspective, it was a five, six point breeze here, Kieran, as well. I mean, I don't know what the live TV cameras would have done it justice, but there was a nice substantial breeze for Galway in that first half. And really speaking to a few friends uh, there in the Hogan stand, it kind of for me, Limerick going in at one point down at halftime, I think they were blessed here, Kieran, to be perfectly honest given how the things went, the Bryant and Cannon chances you said here, that goes in, I mean, I think it's a completely different ball game. But, I mean, the readjustments, I thought, it was just a case of the adjustments from both sides here. Limerick really kind of realising that the work rate wasn't there in the first 15, 20 minutes. Now, you can talk all you want about the Nicky Quaid break, but, again, subsequent to that, Galway were still on the ascendancy up until about 10 minutes before half time. So, I suppose, Karen, from the Limerick perspective here, there is scope for improvement, and particularly with an All-Ireland final coming up against Kilkenny, a slow start like this will spell disaster for Limerick. Yeah, I agree, Mark. I think start on the on the, the breeze, there was a, a fairly bree- strong breeze there, and I think even if you had been going in five or six points down, uh, you probably wouldn't have been overly concerned because, um, you know, because of that breeze. But I suppose for Galway, I'd say going in one point up, Probably felt like they were going in a goal or two down because of the, I suppose, the 10 minutes before half time. It, you know, they couldn't lay a, a glove on Limerick in that 10 minutes. And, you know, the Nicky Quaid break will, will, will you know, will be the, the talk of the, you know, other counties. But, you know, this is happening all over the field. You know, there's players going down now, you know, they throw the helmet off. So it stops play, you know. So I think maybe something needs to be. To be done about this, maybe that if you do go down, you have to be taken off the field. I think this might be the only way it'll, it'll, it'll uh, stamp it out of the game. But, you know, I, I suppose because it's, you know, Nicky Quaid, and, and I suppose it's happened before, but, you know, as I said, it's happening all over the field. But um, I think, Mark, with Galway, I think the changes, you know, the likes of Con- uh, Tom Manning coming in and Conor Cooney, I just think it was too late. I think the game was yeah. over that when, when they came into the game. I think Tom Manning tried, tried his heart, you know, really fought well. I think Conor Cooney didn't impact much. You know, they put Liam Collins in in front of goal. Uh, you know, obviously, good prospect of a young guy, but, you know, I suppose when you see him toe-to-toe with Dan Morrissey, you know, it was like a, a 12-year-old boy standing beside him just to size his comparison. And, but I, I just think they, you know, maybe, was it you or maybe at half-time to make a change? Because I think the, the rot had started before half-time, and I think they're probably a little bit naive to think that I wouldn't continue into that third quarter. 
just given historically how strong Limerick can be in that third quarter. But I think, you know, the sideline was slow to make changes. And look, at, at the start of the game, if you're looking at the sub-benches, you're thinking, you know, maybe Galway have a stronger bench, having Monaghan and Cooney there. Um, but I think it turned out to be different. I think, you know, the same young guys that have been brought in for Limerick, for this, especially this year, you know, I think they have a great impact. Um, Cahill O'Neill coming in, I thought he, you know, really impressive. And, you know, this guy is putting his hand up for a jersey. He's not just happy to be sitting on the bench and brought on with 10 minutes to go. Because not not a young guy anymore, but Graham O'Cahy, again, you know, you can see why they are, you know, trusting him and bringing him in, you know, getting a great point as well. Um, and I think that's the impact that, you know, John Kiley talks about is the, the sub-impact. And, and I suppose it wasn't necessarily needed on the day. But, you know, if this game did come down the line, um, so I think like Galway's bench maybe looks stronger, but I think the return and the fight you get from Limerick's bench was a lot more. Rory, we'll get you back in there. Hopefully uh, the line has improved a little bit. But I suppose we were kind of talking about Galway and their lack of adjustments, particularly before half time. Given when you had Gerard Hegarty, Tom Morrissey, Darren Donovan kind of getting back more deeper, really closing the space for Ian Murphy and the Galway defence. But I suppose from your perspective here in terms of where Galway go from here, what's your assessment of the Galway season? Yeah, and, and I was just kind of, just before I got cut off there earlier, I was just saying how... Um, Galway seemed to like do exactly what we thought that might try and exploit the Limerick backs and drag them around the place. And they were doing that pretty well at the start. And then suddenly, like, um, got to six points, as we saw. I think Shefflin kind of thought, we have what we hold until half time, dropped the men back, invited Limerick on. And once Limerick got going, like, um, by inviting Limerick on, Limerick just grew into the game all over the pitch. Um, a lot of their leaders came to the fore. Keen Lynch, I thought. Uh, looked, you know, looked back to his his best. He won a lot of ball, spread it around. Okay, I know he didn't get on the score sheet like he can in the past, but was still a you know a vital link in in Limerick's play forward. Um, so yeah, look, it, the the Limerick half forward lane as well, along with along with Keen Lynch, Hegarty, uh, Tom Morrissey, like again b- big games as well. Uh, Gillan as well inside, like there was that one ball, like uh, all it takes is one catch over Dahi Burke. Where it's, it's the threat, I suppose, that most teams are worried about. Like if he we said this a few times. If he wins ball out in front of you and scores points over his shoulder, that's grand. Once he doesn't, you know, catch that ball at the edge of the square and stick it in the net, because for a long time when Galway were well on top, that goal kind of kept Limerick somewhere, you know, in the game. So yeah, look, it it, it was just disappointing in a way from a Galway point of view that they didn't, uh, as he said, Kieran, when the game was drifting away from them, that the substitutions didn't happen until they're basically they were out of the game completely. Uh, Limerick were the ones that seemed to get the fresher legs on and. Uh, earlier and they were a winning team just to kind of you know nail it home which they did very well um and just yeah not to preview next week but i just think limerick uh for me limerick looked to be in a bit better shape than kenny going in there to just getting back to where they were to just have more threats up front as well i think now with uh more players hitting form again and also they have a better bench too so but look we'll get to that again but overall from a point of view it is for for next year like uh, yeah they do need to put in as as we were saying there a few more warriors into the team like it's surprising like for a Kilkenny man where Kilkenny's for pride themselves in having forwards that have to, that can win their own ball they got to have two or three forwards that like have to be played certain type of ball like Evan Island as Kieran said a prime example of it he rarely wins 50-50 ball and when you get to up against the big teams like the top teams the Ireland champions need to try and overcome them you need ball winners like and you can't be relying on, on Whelan to win everything inside you need ball winners across your forward line like and that's something that they're lacking yeah absolutely uh like based in galway <laughs> i was with a busload of galway um fans before and after the game anyway and look i think the immediate reaction was look limerick were far the superior team but i think there is kind of philosophical notes coming out of galway like i said castle gars yorn moores even climber dailies in terms of year three for shefflin and where the improvements have to be made because there does seem to be a gap has opened up here between Limerick and Galway. I mean, even looking at the league fixture in Salt Hill as well. So I think there's going to be a bit of soul searching here in Galway, particularly the run game, I thought, as well. Particularly, you know, being so promising in the first 25 minutes, that stopped. And I mean, it really needed the half-back line of Galway really to drive on a bit. It never really happened here, Kieran. I mean, I think we can say about implosions and everything else, but... We've been talking about leadership here in this Galway team. I mean, it came to the party against Tipperary, but when the questions were asked here against Limerick, unfortunately, not too many people really stood up to the plate. For me, the warning signs were there against Tipperary. I don't think, you know, 
I think Tipperary probably made, you know, Galway look good. But I think on that day, Tipperary were woeful. Like, don't forget. And the, the fact that they were only a puck of a wall away from Galway in the day, I think shows you possibly how poor Galway are and possibly were this year. Um, and go back to that first half against Dublin. You know, Dublin have have been, you know, not in average, I suppose, at best. You know, and to to take Galway to the cleaners like they did in that first half. Okay, look, Galway came back at them. And I suppose that collapse against Kilkenny. There's been so many frailties this year. They play it in patches. Um, and, and for me, I can't see Shefflin being in Galway next year. I think, you know, I'm sure he's going to, you know, reassess their year and they'll, they'll sit down and they'll talk. And I would not be surprised to see, you know, Shefflin walk away or, or maybe a mutual consent decision because um, I think, you know, Galway have... Okay, look at he has probably strengthened the squad. You know, he's brought a few younger guys in and got them game time. But I think you know, there's a lot of guys there that are probably close to the end and you know, I suppose and ages on the wrong side of the thirty anyway, but you know, Dahi Burke, you know, Grove McInerney, you know, Connor Whelan, he's been around a long time. These guys have lost of miles in the clock and I just think they were Galway went backwards this year. I just you know, I was not impressed with them all year. And look, maybe he will be there, but I, I will be very surprised if Shefflin's in, in Galway next year. Yeah, because Rory, I'll get you in there. I mean, even the warm-ups, like, just be there uh, at the start of warm-up. Galway was just so physical. It was literally shoulders. It was, like, literally contact, whereas Limerick was very fluid, you know, ball into space, into the hand. It was all very skillful, all very accurate. And I mean, from, let's say, kind of a Galway perspective here as well, Rory, I mean, like Conor Whelan, Brian Cannon, absolutely superb, completely nullified in that second half. So there is some positives here, I would say, uh, for Galway. But I think it'll be an interesting kind of off-season review here between the county board and also Henry and where things kind of lie here, I suppose. Get your thoughts. Yeah, I think the main frustrating thing for, for Henry Shefflin and Galway fans in general is how they can turn it on and off within games and, like, the, that period of 10 minutes there when they came back against Kilkenny in the Leinster final was incredible hard and same at the first 20 minutes here so if they can do it for 20 minutes why can't you do it for 70 you know I know it's not as easy as just saying that but um, the players they have the talent it's 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 a lack of leadership in a way like when, when things get tough they're lacking the guys to you know as Kilkenny were able to do in the second half they're able to hang in there and just keep themselves in the game Galway just didn't seem to have the know-how to do that during the game. The game management was quite poor. And um, as well, you're like the, the difference in the second half as well for the likes of Conor Whelan was the Galway were no longer able to like spray a ball in. They were everything was under pressure because you know the 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 effort out the field, they were just being outworked. And then when when the difference of quality of ball has gone in, plus now with the way Galway set up, there was an extra defender as well, which made things even tougher. Um, you know, to their own detriment, as it turns out. Look, I'd say if um, if the game could be replayed again and Galway were in that position, like I don't think you'd, you'd see them get going as defensive as they did. But at the same time, they need to be able to to take the punches and come, you know, be able to bounce back. And that's the resilience is the biggest thing Galway are lacking. It seems. Yeah. Like if you look back to the the Limerick Galway game last year, like Galway took it on the stretch, you know, and that was Galway being impressive. And you know, people compare two teams saying that they're was physically matched but if you're looking at that game on Sunday you you would not say that you know okay Limerick you know obviously big men as was Galway do match them but physicality wise it didn't they, they didn't lay a, a glove on Limerick like you know and they, they were pumped up that first half they, Galway were pumped up to you know celebrating scores and uh, to me I thought um, Limerick were in all sorts of bother when Galway went six up Um, I thought this was going down to the you know down to the wire but you know really surprised to see it fall but Look at this isn't a reflection of Henry Shefflin. This is this is Galway hurling. Years gone by, we've talked about teams who've been hot and cold and you know through the towel and too early. And I don't know what the problem is there, but I, I don't think it's a, a reflection of Shefflin. But um, you know, many good managers have gone there and and failed to deliver. And I think um, the fact that they've only won one at Ireland and the bones of thirty years with the quality of hurlers they have up there, you know, it speaks volumes to me. Uh, just thinking back there, Karen. I remember a game against Waterford. I think it was at Ireland quarter final in Thurles when Dan Shanahan came in and Galway had dominated the game. And in the space of five minutes, it threw it away at the end. Down two wheels and Waterford snuck through. It was uh, back. I think Davy was over Waterford. You John Lee centre back for Galway. So it goes even back all the way to then. And um, like for Galway to have won one at Ireland that 2017 team with the players they've had over the last 20 years, like it's you know it's more than just. Uh, 
something it, it it's more than just something on the pitch like there's it's something that's maybe culture wise is just lacking that you know that real as we're saying that real leadership the kind of warrior thing that'll you know that like Galway are, aren't the kind of team that are going to kind of uh, play badly and hang in there and, and get a win at the end like they have to be you know out hurling for for the whole game that uh, it's it, yeah it's something that just needs to be fixed and it's not an easy fix either yeah certainly no i think there's been an awful lot of reflections and i think we'll soon see it in the galway race week anyway be various celebrities in galway hurlers probably there inside in galway race week uh i think there's plenty of reflections here in galway it's a sad way to end the season particularly going into that leinster senior hurling final and there's a traumatic killian buckley goal as well so look they'll have to dust themselves down and move on I suppose Limerick here, Karen. I mean, the halfback experiment with William O'Donoghue. How do you f- assess the performance of William O'Donoghue there and maybe Daryl Donovan as well for the support, uh, uh, sporting role here? Personally, I thought William O'Donoghue looked a bit lost. Um, you could see him on Puckert, especially. He was like you know, one of these guys in the foosball table over and back. He, he, I don't think he, he knew where he was to be, but I suppose once he got through the first 25 minutes, uh, you know, Galway didn't run at him. And I suppose it was a it wasn't a fair, you know, test to, to him playing six there. I suppose the one thing that shows how tight the Limerick camp is that, you know, it didn't come out. And usually these things come out in the media before it. And I suppose the fact it didn't is a is a very good sign. Um, I suppose, look, he was there. I suppose his main reason, like Hannon's main reason to be there is for distributing ball. He was there as a blocker, you know, and to stop guys running at the, at the, at the heart of the Limerick defence. But... Um, Look, I suppose he did okay, but I, I don't know. Will you see him there in the final if that you know if Declan Hannon isn't back? Kenny would really exploit that if that was the case. But look at I think you know it's we said it last week. We didn't know how it was, it was going to be to play without Hannon. You know he's always been there. It's such a big figure back there. He's, look, he's a leader. Um, I suppose look, it's a, it was a tough position for for Will to stand into, but I suppose he, he gave it his best, and you know. He, he did okay regarding the circumstances. Like, yeah, I just thought as well it was clever out of the Limerick management that they didn't try and replace Declan Hannon with a similar type player. They just said we don't have another Declan Hannon, so they no doubt they went with a different type of centre back, and it just shows you know a bit of outside the box thinking that they don't think you have to replace like with like, as we know like there's various types of centre back, and they went for what they thought would be the best fit against Galway. And look, as Kieran said, he didn't look like the perfect six, but he got through it fine. You look, it, it, I presume, and I, something one thing that I had heard from Limerick Camp going out was how well uh, Donovan had been going in training, and you could see that during the game, like he he dominated that middle third, like he was the he was the out of the four players in there, he was head and shoulders above, you know, really powered Limerick on, especially early in that second half during that spell, that purple patch Limerick hit, like Donovan at the center of everything. I think yeah. he probably took on that distribution role that we 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 know Hannon for, you know, and delivering ball into Galan. I think some of the balls he gave into. You know, Galan and Seamus Flanagan were exquisite. Like, and I suppose he's one of the young unsung heroes there. I think when you start naming players in the Limerick team, he's probably one of the last names you'll name. Um, but I thought he had a really good game, and I think he's had a really good year. And you know, I suppose it's credit to the hard work he's putting in. But you know, I suppose it'll open up another question mark for for centre back role for the final. If you know, if Declan Hannon isn't fit, um, you know, because I don't see what I've done who've been there for the final. No, uh, and to be fair, I think three other Limerick guys that really stood out. I thought David Reedy, particularly in the middle third as well. I thought he got on a mount of ball, really, and he's just a superb hurler, you know, in terms of his vision, distribution, I thought very much at point. Dan Morrissey inside in the full back line, particularly when Limerick were getting peppered. I felt so sorry for, like, some Mike Casey there, particularly Dan Morrissey, but I thought Dan Morrissey, I thought, was very close. He's to very good. Very, very good, yeah. You know, he really did nullify Concanon to the extent that Concanon really did get to be a very frustrated figure. Even before the, the, the Barry Nash incident, there was an uh, incident there with Kyle Hayes as well, particularly with the helmet being ripped off Hayes. I thought maybe James Owen might have done something there, but it just goes to show Dan Morris's performance. The Galway inside full forward line was completely frustrated. And what can you say about Kyle Hayes? I mean, second half wise, he was just an absolute machine going up and down that flank supporting and defensively was just so on point and I thought he just broke all his resistance particularly in that third quarter I mean one eight to three points I mean game's over at that stage from an Limerick perspective and look they'll go into the All-Ireland final I mean there's scope for improvement obviously but uh, I suppose Kilkenny uh, lying in wait here roaring I suppose can we get your thoughts I mean hopes were high last week <laughs> we all had tipped Claire to do the job um, 
I didn't know Claire played sweepers. I was so sickened it took me until yesterday to actually watch the game back and yeah, and basically what I kind of thought coming out of the ground was confirmed for me watching it back as well. Um, yeah, I suppose for me the three three factors that we lost the game was first of all the management decision to go with a sweeper when we weren't used to it all year. Hadn't played it since the Davy days. Look, uh, at the same time, had Claire gone in maybe a point or two down, and then had the, there was a you know a sm- that small bit of breezy bucket was still there, and if they had got to half time without conceding a goal, maybe and then tore into Kenny second half, then people would be saying what a great move it was to nullify Cody and the goal threat and so on. But um, yeah, like knowing Shane Murray from my own club, like he for us in Six Bridge, he plays midfield, wing forward mainly that time wing back yeah, he's a very versatile player but I hadn't seen him playing sweeper in a long time uh, ended up maybe uh, when Dublin pulled the player back he kind of ended up as a default sweeper let's say but probably uh, I think I don't think it's something that you can just switch to like that you know without even doing it in league games or whatever and look as I said had it worked out we'd be loading loan as genius the margins are so fine like and when you look back there only for like there was a, a lot of refereeing decisions as well in the first half that maybe Claire could have been closer than the five points at half time looking at the general play of things. A second thing I suppose is the player errors, right? And if you go back to Claire's first game against Tipperary, we had this issue of overplaying the ball at the back and this came to the fore again. And then all through our games really was shot selection and you know just just decision making like um Dermot Ryan has you know, got four of the most incredible points against Cork from distance in Crow Park in Cusick Park. And ever since, I'd say he's shooting on sight, and I'd, maybe he scored two points out of twenty shots since that game. Like, and like I've no harm with a guy taking a shot when it's on, and but just shooting because you're in the opposition half, you know. Especially with with the players inside, you could see every time the ball went in, Claire were causing problems inside. Especially when we when we had when we didn't give Kilkenny an extra man in there. So look, that was factor two, I suppose, and and that goal we gave away, like not just the nature of the goal, but the timing of it as well. And then the third thing, like, and it's a massive thing for me, was Cullum Lines gave an absolutely disgraceful display of refereeing. Like, when I watch back to the game, I made a list of, of just, like, and these aren't 50 50 incidents. These are like major incidents. And I just thought RTE played it down a small bit as well. I know they don't like to go after the referee and things like that. But even from things like the injury time, um, six minutes, 45 seconds of injury time is all just injuries alone and the hockey, not even factoring substitutions, and three minutes was played. And I just wonder if Clare were actually up by two or three points, would there have been three minutes injury time? I know, I'm not trying to call conspiracy or whatever here, like, but I just have a feeling there wouldn't have been. Um, so even like from the very first Kilkenny score, um, Owen Cody, as you remember, was fouled over by the sideline. And suddenly like he retaliates and himself and Murray Hayes are going at it. The referee picks up the ball. Owen Cody remonstrates with the referee because he figures it's going to be a throw-in. But no, the re- Lions runs right over in front of the goals and drops the ball. Like That was how it started and that's how it went all the way through. You know, um, and I actually wouldn't blame him for for the, not so much for for the disallowed goal, um, because at the time like the ball is poked in high and it looks for for the world that Kilkenny man's about to catch it, so he blows a whistle thinking you know that's the advantage over, like he wasn't to know Kilkenny was going to drop it right down for Rogers. I give him a I I, I give him a benefit of the doubt for that one. And that's the that's the one that all the uh, the mainstream pundits were going after was the uh, but I thought it was far far worse than that and. So yeah, for me, look, if any of those three things had worked out, if management maybe, and it wasn't just the, uh, I, I for me anyway, it wasn't just going with the sweeper either. And look, they did rectify it at, at half time, But uh, also I just saw it, our use of substitutions. Kilkenny brought on Keane Kenny in the middle of the field, Killian Buckley, gave him a real energy with like 12 minutes to go. And Clare's kind of substitutions ended up, you know, all in the forward line. And we kind of needed legs out around the middle at that stage. And uh, I just saw it that we were, the likes of, of Cahill Malone, who done, got through a Trojan amount of work, retiring. Um, Kelly had got through some amount of work. Uh, Tony Kelly had to go out midfield when Ryan Taylor got injured. And I thought, like, looking back in the game, the amount of ball Kelly got on, he was back deeper than normal, um, didn't waste the ball. Like, he maybe took one or two shots, all right, that were from far out that tailed off wide. But, like, uh, his distribution was excellent. And I thought he he, he, made, he had a great role in, in Clare's revival in midfield, along with David McInerney behind him at wing back. But, um, yeah, just clear needed legs midfield to counter Kilkenny's and that didn't really happen as well. So they're the two things. And look, Lohan's got a lot right over the years. And when he came into Clare, like he really picked them up and made them a force. But just on the big day, like there seems to be with the Keen Nolan, 
you know, call against Limerick to put Keane Olin in there last year. The changes made when John Condon was injured as well didn't didn't work out. Um, even the first round game against Tipperary, which we all thought was must win at the time, and uh, replace Aver Quilligan. Like, and we all saw how good a goalie Aver Quilligan is at the weekend with a, a debutant. Like, when there didn't really seem to be any need to do that. Like, these are major calls, and they all seem to be kind of going wrong. And as I said, Lohan has done loads. Of, uh, correct you hate to criticise but at the same time when the margins are so tight like you just see with Limerick uh, to compare with and re- Limerick rarely get these big decisions wrong so, so look I'd say if any of those three things went if, if if we didn't get management decisions wrong if we didn't have those massive player errors and if we got fair refereeing we'd be in the All-Ireland final so that's how tight things were yeah. Kieran, I'll get you in there uh, I suppose your reaction to that Kilkenny win Jesus Rory you'd be running out of referees that you like in Clare that James Owens is on the the hit list before and column lines as well now. Uh, well, the James Owens, we like. <laughs> I'm after poking. We won't go through that one again. It, no, it's just funny. Like it, it's actually a lot of incidents. Like, and that was a huge one. The whole country was laughing at the James Owens incident with the Aidan McCarthy and the penalty that time. Like, and then we had at the very end of the Munster final, and I just thought the ref was just bad for both teams that day. But like the finish the Munster final, he panicked with the crowd coming on and didn't give the free in, which. Everyone apart from John Kiley agreed was a free. Um, so like it's like you can't but if you're a Clare fan, like it's hard to feel you're not being hard done by. Um it's just hard to take, like uh, especially like this was like I've been on the podcast here for two years and I haven't gone after referees. This is the first time I have because this was as bad as I've ever seen. Hmm. I'll get to the game in a sec, Mark, but I think for Lone as well, when he comes out in the media after game, like it was the same in the Munster final, and then again this weekend. You know, St. Clair are finding it hard to get freeze. You know, I suppose people get sick of listening to that, really, don't they? Like, yes, there is decisions that impact games, and we've all every. I think every county has had decisions go against them. We've had our own in, in 2019. That 65 that wasn't given, and you know, it could have been made such a difference to, to the next year. But um, you know, I think coming out in the media, um, calling out refs probably isn't the the best move anyway. And I suppose, but look at we leave that aside. But I think for the game. Like talking about management, um, I think we all talk about you know, would Clare have some sort of a hangover from the Kilkenny game last year? And I think the I think the spectator, the fans, the Clare fans didn't. I think they were you know slightly confident going up to that game that they were a better team this year. They've added a few players, you know, Ed McCarthy was back in, Mark Rogers was going well, you know, obviously John Conlon was okay to play Cleary, so you had a you know a full fairly full. Um, team but I think the management didn't have that confidence and I think lining up with a sweeper straight away is a, a sign to Kilkenny that we fear your forward line you know we, we fear how, what damage you can do to us and I think it's a it's a sign of fear going into that game that had they gone 15 on 15 and played the way they've played all year like they've you know they played Limerick twice you know won by a point lost by a point you know to the what the people say is the, the best team in the country so to me, I just did not get that decision. Um, I, look, I can see, obviously, Cleary was only back from injury and, you know, I suppose Conlon had been out as well. So, you know, was it to strengthen up the, you know, in front of goal? I, I just can't see any sense in the decision. Like, go, you know, if it's something you've been doing all year, fair enough. But just to bring it in for an All-Ireland semi-final, I think it, you know, I think it showed that, I don't know, was it lack of confidence in their own lives or... I, I, I think it was just a hand, an upper hand to Kilkenny straight away going into that game. But I think, look, Clare, I, I know I said it last week, like there'd be a little bit of rash in tackles, and you, it's kind of, you're saying, pot called the kettle black with Limerick as well, being similar. But I think you see that with the five yellow cards. But Kilkenny bring that hard, you know, that tough work rate. But I think they're a little bit more disciplined in tackling. But like when you're giving away a freeze, and you've TJ Reid on the opposite team, he's going to knock him over for sport. Like he, did he miss one all day? You know, so 12, you know, 12 points coming from, uh, was there 11 points coming from Freeze from TJ? And 165, yeah. And exactly, yeah. Right as well, wasn't it, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, and then added into that as well for Claire is that, you know, the shots, you know, the succession rate, like 58% success from shooting. You know, it's been an issue all year. I don't think it has improved. I think shot selection is obviously a major contributor to that. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned Ryan Wing back, you know, some stupid shots. I think we saw that with Limerick years ago. I think Dimit Burns was guilty of it before taking on shots that should have been taken on. 
and I think the, also freeze as well. Clear missed three freeze. You know, had had they been taken, you know, I think it was Rogers missed two and Kelly missed one. Um, you know, maybe if two of the three have been taken, you know, it's a one point game. You, you just can't miss your freeze. You have to, you know, and I think it's another issue that has been there for Clare. Um, definitely not so much this year when McCarthy was playing, but I think, you know, over the last years, like we've seen, Tony Kelly's a wonderful hurler, but he's not a natural free taker. I suppose it's a little bit of a struggle to have. You just know what you're going to get with Kenny. Like, you know, they're just so honest. They're, they the work. They just don't give up. They're never beaten. Like, when Clare came back into that game in the second half and went, you know, was a point or two up, you know, we saw Galway fold when it happened to them against Limerick, but Kenny don't. You know, there's, there, it's not in them. And uh, I think they have to be commended for that. I think on Cody as well, was in, you know, he's in top form, scoring one fives. You know, I think Adrian Mullum is huge getting for Kenny, getting him back in the field. And that game will do him the world. He'll go into the final as well. And look, I, you know, we talk about Limerick starting to purr a little bit, but, you know, Kenny will have no fear. And I think they, um, they'll relish a the chance at Limerick and, you know, they'll bring. And a huge intensity, and as you mentioned earlier, Mark, if Limerick don't start well into that game and get you know straight at it, Kilkenny will. We you know they will, and I think it, it makes for a great final. I think either two teams that would have came through would have made for a great final, but I think for Clare, like there, there has been issues there. You know, little things that have been there all year, but they weren't rectified as the year went on. Completely agree with you there, Karen. I think you have to give credit to Kilkenny as well. I mean, Owen Cody's interview, I think they're getting that kind of motivation that nobody respects us, nobody gives us the credit we deserve. I think that's been a kind of a motivation factor for Kenny all year. But look, lads, TJ Reid, what can you say about him? Record point score in the championship surpassed Patrick Horgan of Cork, like the two of them could be going hammer and tongs next year again. But I thought TJ Reid's work rate, like forget about open play, like he was a fulcrum there. But there was one instant where he went down right to his 21 meter line. And basically, it was a defensive clearance. Like, I mean, really did typify the Kenny work rate. And I, I thought TJ Reid was quite emotional at the end of the full time wrestle. Like, I mean, it's meaning a hell of a lot to TJ Reid, Richie Reid, and the rest of the guys here. I mean, it's a chance for redemption, uh, Rory, for Kenny, 70 minutes away from recapturing Lee McCarthy. Yeah. And two of the guys you mentioned there, like Owen Cody, TJ Reid, I thought they were heavily reliant on them. Owen Cody from play, like the whole half forward line, uh, well, Martin Keown. John Donnelly, Tom Phelan. Martin Keown, I think, had one possession. I think he hit the ball wide. And the other two guys, Tom Phelan, John Donnelly, they were all, like, wipes. Like to say. So against Limerick, they go out and have three forwards not performing. They're they're not going to beat Limerick. Like They're going to have to, you know, uh, as we saw with Galway, if you don't have your all your forwards at least firing and winning ball or whatever, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, so, look, that's, that's one worry for Kilkenny. But uh, Owen Cody, it wasn't just, it was the nature of the scores he got. Like they were like unbelievable scores, you know. Um, ones from sideline. He's just so physically so strong as well. Um, I thought like Rory Hayes has been fine them, but the minute the ball broke twenty two of them, like Cody just had the physical strength to like get over in the ball and them. And and then second half, I thought Adam Hogan did excellent for a long time. And even the points he got, uh, like you couldn't fault Adam Hogan for the goal because came came from the goalie uh, from the you know the mix up between the goalie and Rory Hayes or whatever. And it hit, like he he didn't, but uh, the point Cody got then like from the sideline is just incredible score. Like you could say H- Hogan did everything right, and he still still scored it. Um, so you, yeah, you look only twenty two as well. You know, so much harder than like. Yeah, that's it. Both of them actually, two 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 of the younger player, the youngest players in the pitch. Yeah, just just like there was a couple of things like uh, there was the incident with with Tony Kelly in the first half where uh, Butler was kind of falling and probably fouls Tony Kelly as he's going over and ref gives a free to Kenny Kelly criticizes ball comes out and ends up instead of being a point for Clare for free in point for Kilkenny um just a few things like that like that's a two-point swing then there was the incident where um Cody was going through and Adam Hogan swipes across him and he's the shot and goal it saved ref gives a 21 and then John Conlon gets absolutely poleaxed by Tom Phelan in like uh Michael Dignan said didn't seem to be much in that Conlon turned into him it was a a uh, uh, shoulder to the like these are the tackles we're trying to get rid out of Harland right in front of the ref. Now really does he, he doesn't even reverse the free. He doesn't even give it a yellow card. It's like it's like uh, as far as Colin Lyons was concerned, the incident never happened. So like they're in a game of tight margins, like and I know what you're saying oh calls go either way, but these are like definite calls that that he that he was getting wrong. And look, I I don't want to be hurting on about the ref because he's not the only thing. But I think as well the only thing I disagree with 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 Kieran is like there's this myth about. Claire's tackling like Kilkenny's tackling was all up 
head high, in around the neck, like if you catch a ball, there's a hurley in over your shoulder. There's nothing said about it. It's like, but I don't know, I think Claire being unfairly highlighted at times, so refs have that in their head going in. And an interesting thing, and I just thought of it as well, Andy Comerford after last year's All-Ireland, we all talk about last year, the Colin Lyons uh, had a final Ireland. There wasn't really any major incidents in it. It was, in a way, it's probably an easy All-Ireland to ref. Andy Comerford, big article after his attack in Colin Lyons, that he was so unfair in Kilkenny. And you'd wonder sometimes that these things affect, like a lot of referees are probably reading back over reviews, seeing how they, how they people think for, they, they performed and stuff. You just wonder if, if some of this stuff gets into the referee's head. Like, look, uh, uh, as we said, the, uh, I would agree, though, with the shot selection has not improved from game to game. And when you have such kind of, uh, you know, forwards that are such a threat to be shooting from crazy angles from out the field, it doesn't make sense, really. Like, And the biggest thing as well, like if Clare had gone with, with let's say, Clare knew Butler was going to follow Kelly around the pitch. If Clare had put Kelly in corner forward and let him roam, he were dragging Butler out of there and leaving a two-on-two inside. And it's something maybe that Clare overlooked um, because it played into Kilkenny's hands. Like Kilkenny had to be fearful of what Clare could do up front considering like what they had done in their, you know, true Munster as well. And also in the, against Dublin, I know you could say it was only Dublin, but still like the, the forwards looked a real, you know, real threat that day. And they had to have been a bit worried. They must have been only delighted to see Claire remove one forward. And, you know, just thinking back to the great Kenny team in Shefflin. And could you imagine them like Brian Cody taking out one of those forward lines, you know, and to put in a, 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 an extra defender, like it just, Look, it, it completely backfired that way. And the way Clare started the second half, even the way I thought they hit the first half, like there was an aggression about them that wasn't there last year and they were really up for it. Like if they had the, you know, the six forwards in when that was the case, you just wonder would it have been different. And I suppose what's really hurt, hurting is like they're so close and uh, in a game of such tight margins like the, that, as I mentioned, any one of a number of things, if, if it had gone right for them, they'd have gotten over the line. And... Uh, no more so than like the officiate. Yeah, I think it's... we go back to I mentioned last week as well. Or I want to bring it up again, but the traditional counties like they're just so hard to beat. You know, you suppose you look back in the numbers, and I know that's in the past, but it it does send up like Kenny and Co Park are a different animal. Um, they're so used to there, and they're just hard to beat. And it's just the work they bring, and the you know, I suppose that never, never say never attitude. Like they just, you have to commend them really, don't you? Yeah, it's it's just as I said, it's their ability to when they're when they're going poorly in a game to hang in there. Like they can concede, but they'll they'll still you know, even the Ireland final last year against Limerick, like they were I thought they were being well beaten uh, you know, in most departments on the pitch, and yet you look at the scoreboard and it's three points in it and suddenly it's back to a point and they're just unbelievable at, at just they know how to manage a game and they know when things aren't going right, how to go in and look, TJ really helps with freeze as well, like any free from his own sixty five up is I'd say he's I'd love to see his percentage stats like it must be high nineties like uh, you know once Snooker you see the pot success like his free success is incredible. No, it's it's incredible. Ray. I think it's about ninety one percent. I'm compiling a few stats for the blog post during the week and like he's not missed many to be perfectly fair to him. But I suppose look at Walter Walsh, Connor Fogarty with that vital flick in that opening half. Uh, Richie Hogan comes on for the cameo, but lads, can we talk about Owen Murphy? My God, uh, is he the all-star already locked in after that save on Peter Duggan? I suppose, Karen, that was such a sensational save here and right at the end. And look, you know, the Denmore man is just producing again year on year. Yeah, I think the the two number one goalkeepers in the country are, are definitely in the final. I think I think that save alone will probably win that all-star for Murphy. Um, just suppose it's so late in the year as well. I think he's improved. I think, you know, you'd have always given Quaid that, the one up on his distribution, I think you know, all Murphy has improved. The Kenny game has changed, and they're starting to mix it up a bit. And but geez, that was that was some save. It, it was just a short reaction time, and um, and that was a game changer as well. There were so many in that game, like there were so many moments in the game that could have changed the game. Um, I suppose the little goal, you know, the forward, the flick as well, or the to, the block. Um, you know, I suppose Claire had their chances, and I suppose on other days they might have. But, uh, he made a save from Shane O'Donnell and it came out and two clear lads kind of got each other's way, Rogers and I think it was uh, Reedy, uh, or it could have been Galvin, the two of them like were on the rebound and kind of ball ended up just going out. I think it was for 65 in the end maybe, yeah. but like there was that moment as well. There was numerous moments. Yeah, another day they could have gone in like, like death, you know. Had the, had the Duggan one got in at the death and like went into extra time or anything, like it's funny how a lot of things would have been probably overlooked and mm. you know what I mean? It's just mad how, how it can all turn on, on a moment. 
And Quilligan at the other end, like, made phenomenal. Like, the teacher he'd save with his boot in the first Yeah, no, there's some great saves. Some great, I think the two keepers excelled, you know, on the day. But I think Owen Murphy's just going to be uh, one of these generational players that you'll talk about yeah. in, your, in years to come. And even there was a, a point, uh, Jeremy Ryan, one that he... He stopped, uh, yeah. But he didn't just, like, he, he the height he got in his <laughs> jump to catch it, it was... Maybe it was going, it seemed to be going well over the bar, and yet he just kind of glided up through the air. It, was, it reminded me of that Ronaldo kind of hitter there that time in the slow motion yeah. where he's gliding through the air, just hung, hung there. And, and look, there's again like small things in it. Um, yeah, look, uh, just I, I, I was talking to you just before I we went on air about uh, timekeeping, and it's just an issue like, there, is the referee is still in charge of time in that Ireland semi finals? He, he, con- he contacts the fourth official to say what time is left. Is that? That's still the case. As far as I'm aware, yeah. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, Roy. Yeah, it's just if somebody like can the fourth official not then say to the ref, sorry, Cullum, there's actually six minutes injury time. And that's that wasn't an opinion that there was six minutes injury time. There was six minutes forty five seconds when I went back. So like that's like that, what it means then is if, if you've a free a minute into injury time, like clear we're hunting goals and everything, when they could have been there's another four or five minutes left, like your just changes the approach. And to get something like that wrong in a Ireland semi final, like Offley went on the pitch over two minutes. You know, I got a replay and the whole lot. Like, this is uh, injury time being halved. And it just it wasn't even spoken about afterwards. Digna mentioned it at full time. He said, or he said, gee, I thought there'd be six minutes injury time when it went up. But afterwards, it wasn't even a talking point. And for me, that's a major talking point. You should not get the time and wrong in an Ireland semi-final. And they, uh, when I kind of, I didn't even include substitutions. I just went with injuries and the Hawkeye. You know, it's just it's just something that shouldn't go, go wrong in an Ireland semi-final. Surely he's a timekeeper, you know, particularly when you get to that latter stage. I mean... I think the ref is enough to worry I, I think so. You know, there's enough to be dealing with in terms of kind of the pace of the game, the key decisions, you know, even what your fourth official doing. Like, I mean, yeah, granted the substitution's coming in, but I think he should be fully aware in terms of these substitutes. I mean, should be ma- maximum 20 seconds, 30 seconds per sub here. You're really looking at five, six minutes injury time per uh, half, really, to be perfectly fair. But yeah, it's another talking point here, Rory, for sure. But I suppose... Going back to Clare here, Rory, Shane O'Donnell, I thought, I, 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 he looked like a man on a mission even when he was walking on the parade. And he's a guy that just oozed class. I mean, Jackie Tyrrell had mentioned it before in the pregame that he was a guy that generally worried Kilkenny throughout. And my God, I mean, I thought his performance from start to finish, he might have had a few lulls given Kilkenny's dominance, but my God, second half, he tried to pull Clare right back into it. I thought it was a very impressive performance from the Arrow man. Oh, he was brilliant, yeah. And that goal as well, just the power he got in it. And also as well, just he, he troubled them every time he ran at them. And he has this kind of way of just, this, you know, he can change his balance like very quickly. And, and he has a big stride for a guy who, who's, he's not the tallest man, like standing next to him, but he's some leap, ex, ex, so strong in the air. And then just when he runs at teams, he just causes problems. Um, yeah, he, look, he was excellent. I saw it as well, David McNerney at wing back, especially when I watched the back, was phenomenal, like second half. He absolutely like, you know, dominated that whole area of the pitch he was in. So it looked clear had some really good performers on the day as well. A lot of it, you know, <laughs> when the team loses, like, uh, you know, Vic, what's it, Plotis go to the victors or whatever, spoils go to the victors, but it seems to be the case in, in, in GA a lot and you kind of overlook some of the stuff. Yeah, it's it's um, it's just something, I suppose, as well, go, going forward next to, like, the GA should all the time be looking to improve things as well. And for me as well, like, Lohan on the sideline, he's getting too wound up in, in decisions on the pitch and... Like, how can you actually, you know, watch a game? You have to detach yourself. Like, we've all been there in the sideline with teams, and um, sometimes you do, you get upset by decisions, especially when you see, like, r- you know, what you see is a blatant a mistake from the ref. And But you have to, like, move it and go on. But it seems to just affect, and then that can feed your players as well. And when your fair, players feel on the pitch that they're being, you know, wrongfully, you know, it, it, it it's not the right mind frame to be in. And I just have a feeling there's a bit of that as well. Now, look, I suppose while the game is on, they can look back at it afterwards and think about maybe those decisions against us. But while the game is on, like that, that can't be the mind frame. It has to be positive and keep going. And yeah, so look again, uh, small thing. It's just so disappointing, like that. That you know they were good enough to be in the final and aren't there. It's and it's a long time to go until next year again. Yeah. And you're just worried with some of the age profile of some of the guys like John Conlon there, David McInerney, a lot of years in the clock. Shane O'Donnell, I heard rumours beforehand this could be his last year. I don't know how true that is because he's absolutely flying, but I don't know if there work commitments coming in there as well. And now the only thing is there is a good crop of younger players coming through, but they're probably just a couple of years too young at the minute to supplement some of these players, you know. Um, but uh, look, 
future future is bright in terms of what's coming in the production line but you're just worried for this present team um is there another year can they go to the well once more again next year like that's the question if we were in leinster maybe we might get a, a handy year for for get into knockout stages and, well, um, and it, you know, but in Munster, like there is no breathing space like in Munster, you take your foot off the pedal and you're out yeah that's and it. like you look into how competitive it's this year but you imagine next year cork obviously coming you know we know how good the youth has been there and you know i'm, I'm sure they'll fancy coming out of Munster next year you know, God knows what will happen in Waterford. Limerick will be Limerick and um, Tipperary. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there'll be a kickback to the you know the last two games as well. But uh, Roy, do you think Lowen will be there next year? I think so. Look, I think something might has to they have to freshen up the management team in some way. Uh, look, he he's I suppose look at the the, the two sides of the coin there. They're playing for him, like they are um, playing for him. They are playing for him. He he gets. A massive response from the players like they they kind of epitomize what he was as a player that attitude as well um the the only slight things is as we pointed out here week and week and, and kieran you've been uh out about it a lot like they're not improving with this like we looked at them kind of week one after the tip game we said there isn't a lot to improve here it's you know a bit sloppy with the ball in the back line and shots slash whatever but like that's still being there all the way through and it's just the lack of improvement with things and just the the odd big call on Masha and you'd wonder I'm wondering as well like did Lohan maybe listen to his management team a bit too much because I don't think Lohan is a sweeper man like he never was and um I wonder did he but look he actually the book's up with him anyway so whether he listens to him or not it, it's his decision at the end of it but maybe look I think there needs to be a freshen up like there is Terence Fahey there from the other 20s Brian O'Connell's done very well with the minors. I, I think I'd like to keep Brian O'Connell there while we have this talent coming through. Seems to be very good at nurturing it at that age group. But Terence Fahey, maybe even to just come in, because we're going to need somebody who's under 20s now to start, you know, coming into the team, like so Keith Smith there. And, um, you know, um, as well there, the, um, what you call him, the couple of lads there as well from uh, E. McNamara from, from Fiegel Kilinena coming in as well. And then from the minors in the next couple of years, you've gone in there, who is the captain from Broadford and Ronan Keane as well. Kilanena, look, there's good talent coming through, and you just want kind of guys maybe that that have worked a bit with them, maybe in in the management team. So I definitely would think management team definitely needs a freshen up if Lohan is to stay. That would be my view. Yeah, I think it will be a very interesting off season because I mean there were certain positives here for Clare. I mean, look the way they competed against Limerick, you know, the one in Limerick in the Gaelic grounds, but geez, for how long in the round robin? That I thought it was a pretty much season highlight. You mean went to toe to toe at Limerick? gone toe-to-toe with Kilkenny as well obviously and I mean the two point or the three point loss will definitely great here in terms of getting back into the game that sort of perspective I suppose it's a key decision for Brian Lowen as well four years in charge now does he commit to another two three years but as you say Brian O'Connell in the other 20s will there be a clamour here within Clare to maybe in a year or two years time have a bit of a transition process in place here who knows but I mean it's going to be interesting. I mean, the talent's certainly coming through, Rory, uh, in Clare, uh, to be perfectly honest. And I think it'd be a shame for likes of Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell, these guys, if they couldn't pick up another silverware uh, pr- probably next season because I think time is running out for these guys uh, a little bit. And I mean, maybe there's massive motivation there. And also Peter Duggan as well, who I thought was very prominent there on Sunday, particularly in that second half, you know, really winning an awful lot of primary ball possession in that half-forward line. Thought he had David Blanchfield in all sorts of trouble, uh, particularly in that third, fourth quarter. So, look, I think there's an awful lot to be positive for for Clare. It's just, it's the fine margins here, and it's really the shot selection. It's trying to know your squad depth a little bit, particularly in the league. You know, if you're going to experiment with the sweeper, probably not the best place to be doing it in All Ireland semi final, really, to be fair. But um, well, I don't think Clare are going to be taking any moral victories from last year or this year, like probably you know, not. Um, but. There was a bit of a, like, last year's Munster final was a bit of a moral victory in terms of they're still in it and all that. But, like, from this year, like, that was gone as, as of Kilkenny defeat last year, you added to be final. And I think this year, Clare needed some sort of February, if it was just Munster even, just to, you know, mm-hmm. I think to, to bring it into next year. But, as you say, like, John Conlon, what is, is he 35, 36? He won in All-Ireland under 21 in 2009. Yeah, so. he's a lot of my, and, like, he is one of the main guys there, you know, and what he brings and, you know, how do you replace a guy like him? Uh, and if Shane O'Donnell, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting winter period in Clare. And, you know, I think, maybe, you know, what's low on four years done, you know, maybe there's a freshness of a new voice, bring him mm-hmm. to a new level. Um, you know, I think there'll be a lot of discussions in Clare this winter, but, uh, 
you know, I, I don't think they'll be taking moral victories as a to make it a good year. Either it's been a bad year for Clare. Probably similar to, to Galway, they've lost the provincial title and uh, by the mere, you know, small amount and probably fell away. Not to the same extent as Galway, but I think the Clare are probably in the similar situation as Galway going into the winter. But I suppose all credit to Kilkenny here, guys, as well. I mean, another All-Ireland final appearance, debut season for Derek Ling and management again. Haven't seemed to skip a beat. Like 25 turnovers during that game against Clare as well, guys. Really did show the work rate, and particularly the Billy Ryan, you know, turnover of Rory Hayes, particularly for the goal. I mean, does not say everything about Kilkenny Ireland. Like Billy Ryan was having a kind of a so-so game, but still had the endeavour, the application, the work rate to anticipate the Quilligan. I thought it was just, you know, should have been down the pitch five, ten seconds prior. But I suppose, to be honest, Billy Ryan, you know, kind of exuded the Kilkenny spirit here and. Look, I think there'll be a live threat coming into the All-Ireland Final, and we can certainly preview that next week, guys. We might have a few special guests on uh, from uh, Kilkenny as well uh, for next week. But look, I think there were two kind of intriguing All-Ireland semi-finals. I mean, I thought the second one definitely was excitement f- until the end. But I mean, Limerick and Kilkenny do battle on Sunday week. I suppose, Rory, can we get your comments in terms of the senior camogie All-Ireland quarterfinal finals? They were played as curtain raisers to the All-Ireland semi-finals on Saturday and Sunday, obviously Tipperary had too much over. Natural side that we expected that would maybe perform a bit better, but quite the van probably had other things uh, to say on that. But also the Cork Kilkenny uh, matchup on the Sunday was trilling right up until the end. Some officiating again, maybe under the microscope. And I suppose the departure of Brian Dowling subsequently for Kilkenny here. So again, there seems to be a bit of a transitional period here for Kilkenny. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, uh, Kilkenny threw in a massive performance in that game. They hadn't been going well this year. They hadn't. They'd taken a long time to kind of recover from last year. They had a poor league, and then, um, as you mentioned in their group, they drew two games and beat Dublin. That's why you know they ended up in quarter final stage, let's say, and uh, temporarily won that group, uh, which would have been a shock. Like when the draw was made, everybody would have thought on Ireland champions Kilkenny would come out of that. So they threw in a huge performance, and at one stage they were typical Kilkenny. They were five, six points down, clawed it right back again. Um, Cork would have felt aggrieved I think the couple of big decisions there was a, what looked a penalty coming down the stretch that wasn't given it had it gone the wrong way but uh, but still it, it was you know it, it was it was a great game and look it's good to have these matches um, as a curtain raises for the semi-finals because um, like it gives a chance for people to go and see like the talent that is there and the strength of Camogie and the other game then like Tipperary are the surprise package this year they have um they followed up. They backed up a good league with a, a really strong championship showing. And uh, look, Antrim did well to get to a quarterfinal. You know, they're not long up in, in the senior ranks. But it makes uh, the draw makes for an intriguing semi-finals now because it's uh, Galway versus Cork. And it gives Tip and Waterford at the other side a chance for a new team in the final. Um, Waterford were in semi-final last year. Very unlucky to lose out to Cork in a tight game. Led most of the match as well. They're getting stronger every year. Likes of uh, you know, Kate Lynch in the back, Rachel Walsh, and then up up around uh, playing as kind of a, a loose midfielder as such. Or then you have Beth Carton as well up front. And Waterford have serious talent as well from Tipperary point of view. Then you have um, you know as you mentioned, Cot Devan, Eamon McGrath. They've, they've serious potential up front. Uh, Casey Hennessy then midfield. Like so, they've scores as well all over the place. And it's going to be that's makes a, the two semi the way the semi-finals have drawn makes them both really intriguing because as we know Galway Cork like the history they've had over the last 10 years um, it's going to be really hard to pick your winner from that one Galway got the better of them in the league final and uh, Galway at that stage were still experimenting in the league um, Siobhan McGrath was still being rested and a few players like that so I think they had six or seven changes from their from their team that they played in the last All-Ireland in the All-Ireland semi-final previously and yet they still beat a more or less Cork's full team in that game. So they'll have to repeat that one. And then just the fact, as I mentioned there, that Waterford and Tip, you're going to have a new team in the final. They haven't been there like Waterford. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. When was the last time Waterford in the Ireland Camogie final? Like it could be, could potentially be their first. Tipperary's, you know, had a very strong team maybe 20 years ago. And it'll be their first time in a long time in the final as well. So it gives a real opportunity for those two teams. So they're semi-finals, that, you know, that are worth watching because uh, either one's going to be really tight to call. Yeah, I think they're going to be two fascinating fixtures. I mean, uh, from a Cork perspective, you know, got the job done just about against Kilkenny. You have to give massive credit to uh, the, the Kilkenny goalkeeper. I thought was outstanding. There was four or five goal efforts here that should have been goals, didn't. And Denise Gall, what can you say about Denise Gall? Just absolutely phenomenal 
on the day, single-handedly nearly won the game for Kilkenny. I mean, the, the player of the match awards, you know, compared to two player of the match awards, you know, from the All-Ireland men's and Camogie, I'm not going to go into too much, but I thought it was a bit embarrassing, really, to be fair. But, I mean, Denise Gall was just, un, you know, so undeserving to be losing that game, particularly on the Sunday. But I think the Tipperary Waterford game, I think, just brings in new freshness, doesn't it, to that All-Ireland senior Camogie fight. And, I mean... Like Waterford have been knocking on the door last year. They were very competitive in the semi-final. So, look, I think it's going to be massively competitive. And, I mean, Galway haven't really been blowing teams away this year either. So, Cork will really fancy their chances in a one-off game in UPMC, Nolan Park. So, look, we'll have a review of those as well in the, the next week or so. I suppose, guys, it's been a lengthy one tonight. Look, we'll save our powder for the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final preview uh, next week. I suppose we'll get a few guests on uh, to kind of provide maybe crystal ball predictions here how things will go uh i suppose thanks rory thanks kieran uh for your time tonight i suppose uh yeah uh we'll chat next week okay guys take care thanks mark thank you. cheers thanks mark take care thank you for listening to this podcast episode if you liked what you heard in this podcast why not subscribe to the hawkeye psychic podcast on either amazon spotify youtube or twitter platforms you can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.